You could be anywhere doing anything, but you're hanging out with us, and we appreciate that. So wherever you're listening and however you're listening, we appreciate you guys for listening. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in tacos, S as in slim. The opposite way James Harden is going to show up to Philadelphia 76ers training camp and M as in Daryl Morey, who refuses to trade James Harden. Kennedy Miller, you like how I swung that? I love it. I love it. I love it. What's up, man? Man, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, man. Where can the folks find you on? We ain't calling it X, man. Where can the folks find you yeah. on Twitter, dog? You can find me on tw- on Twitter, artist formerly known as Twitter. I like how you put that. At underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, that's at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. All right. All right. We are so happy to be back with you guys. Like we said, we took a long layoff, but we back now. New theme song. Shout out to DJ Fresh Prince for the, for the theme song. Shout out to the big homie John Hickman for the new logo. The Game Plan Podcast. Bigger and better, I would say. But we still here to talk some sports. With y'all. And I said slim, like James Harden is not going to show up. Ken, so we might as well start there. Bro. Yeah. Did you really? How out of shape is James going to show up? Because I think he's going to go up in there and pull out that my 600 pound life fat suit out of the closet. Okay. Because you know, he keeps it with him. Ever since Houston, when he showed up stuffing his clothes, you know, James just keep, he keep that thing on him. I just. I don't think you should get in a uh, a pissing contest with James Harden if you're Daryl Morey. Like, I don't I don't know if Daryl Morey is gonna go to the depths of how, <laughs> how low James Harden will go to get what he wants to get out of there. The last time I saw him, he did an interview on a football field on the grass, asking him about how he wanted to be if he wanted to still be in Philadelphia and if the relationship could be repaired. So, I just. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what James has got cooking up his sleeve besides that fat suit. We've all seen a picture on, on X on Twitter <laughs> when he's looking in that closet and that fat suit is staring right back at him. So I just, it's, it's unfortunate, man, because they really are, they're a contender, right? Like you would consider them a contender if they're, they, if they're healthy, right? They got a new coach. We, we kind of felt like Doc might have been one of the problems with the Clippers, right? Why they couldn't get over the hump. Nick Nurse, we feel like as a championship level coach, obviously he has a championship, but you got two t- top 25 players. You got an MVP. He's a reigning MVP. You got two, M- well, James Harden's MVP. Two former MVPs. Well, that like, MVP for James Harden was 2017. 2018. This is not the same James Harden as oh, 2018. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. But, you know, I think for me, the thing about James Harden is what I've struggled to understand. And then I had an epiphany and it hit me. I said, why would James Harden opt in if he doesn't want to be in Philadelphia anymore? And then it clicked. There is not anyone else that's going to pay him $35 million this year. Right. Like, honestly, think about this. The two biggest free agents that were supposed to be on the market this year were Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And neither of them had a huge market for their services. There was only like one team we can really think of that was talking about James Harden. And that wasn't a contender. That was just Houston. 
Right. So before they got email, you don't. Yeah, before they got email. So there wasn't going to be a huge market for James Harden services, and there really, especially isn't now that he opted into that contract. Is because the only team we've heard him seriously attached to is the L.A. Clippers, mm-hmm. right? And he would be the third option. Who's willing to pay almost forty million dollars to for a guy to be the three? Like th- that is the yep. big question. And for James, it's going to be like this. How I don't say how far has he fallen, but this is going to be team number four in four years. Like that's yeah. really crazy to think about. Like you know how some like players at the end of their career, like they start playing for teams and we really don't even want to talk about it. Like Patrick Ewing playing for the Magic, or Emmitt Smith yeah. playing for the Cardinals, or Andre Johnson playing for the Colts and the Titans. Like we yeah. kind of starting to get here with James, where it's just like if we can just enshrine him and just remember him as he was in Houston. That's what I think this is about to be, man, because. This is about to be a mess. James Harden is the dude who shows up to a job after he done put in his two weeks notice and he don't want to stay here for the whole two weeks. Like, so he's showing up late. He hiding in the bathroom oh, during yeah. his shift. Like, every time you look at where's James, where's James? James will be over there washing the dishes in the back. James over there in the bathroom. My stomach hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just he, I, I think it is kind of hurting his legacy of, of how we remember him, because like you said, this is not the same as a 2018 MVP. I just, I don't get it, man. And then you're trying to, you're trying to force your way. Like it, it's not a big market anyway for you. And then you're trying to force your way somewhere where like, yeah, if I'm Daryl Moore, yeah, you're going to have to give me valuable trade pieces. And if I'm the Clippers, no, I'm not giving you Terrence man for, for James Harden. Cause I don't know where James Harden going to show up here. I know James. James is gonna show up in shape because you know once James takes off that nutty professor suit off, he gonna be a one. (laughs) He gonna be in shape. But okay, how long till you ask for a trade out of here? Like you said, it's your fourth time in four years. The only place you seem contend with was Houston. So I I don't I don't understand. And basically, up until this point, he's gotten everything that he's wanted. Like he he forced his way out of Houston. Brooklyn was where he his preferred destination. Forces way out of Brooklyn. Philly was his preferred destination. A year and a half later, he wants to get out of Philly. Okay, so if I give up my best young player in Ter- Terrence Mann, how long are you going to be here before you get disgruntled and want to go somewhere else? And he's only under contract for one for one year, right? And to and my, me, I think my bad for cutting you off. To me, what? No, you're fine. What if I'm any team? I'm not giving up big pieces for a guy that's in his mid thirties who has a history of disappearing in big moments in the playoffs. Like if this is James Harden, the 2016 and 2017, okay. Yeah. Give up, give up the house, the cars, the kids and the dog. Right. But this is not James Harden who skill wise could and should be the best player on a championship team. This is James Harden. Who's going to be the third option. And if you're Philadelphia keeping it funky, whether they keep James or whether whenever they trade James, how much better is it going to make them really? Because they have a second round ceiling with James Harden. Given, you know, the deals that we've heard in connection to a James Harden trade, those trades don't get them past Boston. Those trades wouldn't get them past a Miami with a Damian Lillard. Those trades don't make them definitively better 
than Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Like Terrence Mann doesn't move the needle in that way. You know, like, so they're kind of in this no man's land where in my estimation, they need to start looking around. It's time to blow the whole thing up and trade in beat and start this whole thing over. And that's a shame to say that. Like they have had Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, James Harden, three, three or four different coaches, and they cannot get out of the second round. Well, put it to you like this. Think about it this way. 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 2012, because I just saw a podcast on this, they made it to game seven of the second round with Evan Turner, Andre Iguodala, Drew Holiday, Nikola Vucevic on the bench, all in their 20s, and they blew it up and started the process. 11 years later, all they have to show for it, the highest that they went is game seven of the semifinals. That is embarrassing. Like, that is the part where if I was a Sixers fan, I'm glad I don't root for them, by the way. Right. I would be pulling my hair out. I totally would. I will be just pulling my hair out. And, like, oh, my God. Like, when you put it like that, because how many teams have blown it up and rebuilt it without humiliating themselves for multiple years at a time? Right. And gotten farther than that. Phoenix is one of them. No doubt. No doubt. And just like the whole thing that it was just like wanted to be like, cause it was Evan Turner and Andre Godala were talking about it. And I was like, dang, they did go to game seven against Boston in 2012. And then they traded all those guys. Like, and they said they had a coach on their team telling them like nobody in here is going to like average 20 or something, something like that. But you had Evan Turner, Drew Holiday, Busevich and Andre Godala. And you wanted to go younger and all those guys were in their twenties. And all you have to show for it is, you know, you have a, you have a, a top, you have a top five player in NBA in the league and James and a disgruntled James Harden. You know what I mean? Like they had so many missteps. Uh, Jimmy Butler, they should have kept Jimmy Butler, right? That's probably the biggest domino that kind of messed up their ceiling. They should have kept Jimmy Butler and. You know, I think now they are kind of like, like you said, in the no man's land or just like in this, like, we're a contender, but we could be a serious contender. Like, you know, like if another, like if Giannis gets another injury in the playoffs, like, you know, they'd have to bank on one of those better teams getting hurt. Like maybe the Porzingis doesn't fit in Boston and losing Marcus Smart, you know, messes with them in a certain way that they take a step back, right? Like, they're going to have to hope for that. But like you said, I agree. Boston, Miami with Dame, Milwaukee are all better than than Philly. At this point, the Philadelphia 76ers are a pothole. Like, Mm -hmm. this may mess up your shocks. This may tear your car. Remember when we used to live in Denton? Them Denton streets were horrible. Oh, my goodness. Them Denton, Texas streets. Who is the mayor? Because they need to fix the damn streets, okay? Like, you never knew, like, you hit a pothole or hit hit a sinkhole or something like that. Yes. I almost tore my car up. Yes. Right? So, you might hit a pothole or hit a sinkhole. You might be all good. Or, your shocks might be tore up and you need some help expeditiously. DJ Frisk Prince.
But while we talk about Philadelphia, right, we're going to switch gears to our NFL season preview. The Philadelphia Eagles, man, are they the team to beat in the NFC? You know, I think I think that obviously they won it last year. Most of their team is coming back. So I think you have to give them the nod. I don't think I don't think it's like they're the clear cut favorites. It's theirs to lose. Um, but I don't think that they are the clear cut favorite. I think number one, the NFC East has three playoff teams. Like it, it's not going to be a cakewalk in their division. Those, those six games are going to be tough, excluding Washington. Um, <laughs> commanders, football team, whatever they the are, name that they were formerly known as, whatever they are, they still got a ways to go. But those other three teams, including Philadelphia, are playoff teams. Um, you know, I think the NFC is just really down though. Like it, it's a two or three team race. You know what I mean? Because you think about the NFC North, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Like we all kind of expect the Lions to make it, right? But how good are the Lions actually going to be? Or are they going to be good? Because the Packers are probably going to be down. The Bears aren't there yet. And the Vikings, they got Kirk Cousins. So we ain't expecting much. Vikings got Kirk Cousins. Who just turned himself into a, a, a PR wonder because of the the quarterback show on Netflix? Like everybody's rooting for Kirk Cousins now because he's just a great guy, but we know that he doesn't show up in primetime games. Like he could do all the studies on his brain and all that stuff that he wants to <laughs> on the show. Yeah, yeah, bro, you you stunk it up against the Giants at home in the playoffs. So um, then you know we think about the NFC West. The Cardinals are basically fighting for Caleb Williams at this point. Like, like they're just in the, the Rams. I don't really know. Like, right. Super Bowl team two years ago, last year, Matt Stafford kind of looked old. Then he got hurt, had surgery. So I don't know what they're going to be. The 49ers are the 49ers, the Eagles and the Cowboys are the three best teams in the NFC. I just don't know when it comes down to quarterback play. If they're going to be able to get it done. So for me, with the Philadelphia Eagles, what I'm interested to see is that how do you play when you're the hunted? Last year, it kind of felt like they came. I don't want to say out of nowhere because we all thought they had a very good roster. And given the way that that good. Yeah. Given the way they finished 2021, we thought, yo, they got some good receivers. They've got some decent Mm -hmm. backs, a strong line. They've got a great old line coach. Got a strong line, strong Mm -hmm. defensive line. The only question we had was quarterback, right? And Jalen Hurts, give him all the credit in the world. He showed up and like mm-hmm. he played the best we've ever seen him play. And to me, I, you know, we, we've heard it for the past year or so that it was really the talent around Jalen Hurts that elevated him. And I disagree with that because my argument is this. Jalen Hurts played with more talent his last full year as a starter at Alabama than he has on offense now. Like, really, like, go back and think about it. At receiver, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs. There were two other receivers who, like, were fifth or sixth round picks. At running back, Josh Jacobs was a first round pick. Mm -hmm. Najee Harris was the fourth string running back. He was a first round pick. Damian Harris was a third round pick. Both Scarborough played in the league for a while. The fifth string running back, Brian Robinson, was a third round pick. If you put that level of talent in the NFL right now, they're no, winning. He, he 40, got better. Yeah, like, they're winning. Obviously. Yeah, they're winning fourteen to fifteen games. But Jalen yeah. Hurts had that level of talent around him, and he was the holdup. 
I always talk about, you know, drive, hold, you know, hold the car in the lane, drive 10 and 2. Jalen Hurts had a Ferrari that could go 500 miles an hour. And because Brian Dable seemed terrified to have him do anything, he had him going about 65. Go 65 mm-hmm. in the slow lane because you can't handle it if the car goes too fast, right? Jalen Hurts is the reason why they were able to get get to the heights that they got last year because he improved. So can he make another leap is my big question. You know, can he make that leap from, you know, the guy who we thought was below average to average at best to a guy who now we think, all right, this dude is clearly a a pretty good NFL quarterback. Can he make that leap from good to great? That's my question. You know, that, that like that is my biggest question with Philadelphia because they still got a whole lot of pass rushes. Right. Mm-hmm. You still got A.J. Yeah. Brown and Devontae Smith. You still got one of the better <clears throat> lines in football. Right. And you just got monsters on the front. Right. Like, yep. so to me, I'm like, that is why Philadelphia to me is pretty intriguing. But Ken, I want to ask you, what team in the AFC is the most intriguing to you? The Cleveland Browns. Okay. I think that, I think that they are in, I think that will be the toughest division in football this year. And I think that we've forgotten how much or how good that scandalous <laughs> man up there that's playing quarterback. I think we forgot how good he really is, right? Like, obviously last year it was a little different. He was coming off a suspension, new team. He gets a full off season now under his belt. And it's not like they don't have weapons. Like he's got Amari Cooper, like one of the best route runners in the league. Like they've got options. Like they've got obviously one of the best running backs in football. They've got one of the best pass rushers in football. They've got a good team. And so I'm very interested to see how Cleveland does this year. Um, especially with it being that you're playing Baltimore twice a year. Pittsburgh is never bad. Cincinnati, you know, they've got themselves an elite quarterback too. So I'm very interested to see how Cleveland looks this year. And for me, like it is wild to think about in three of the four divisions in the AFC, three of those four teams in those divisions can say, there's an argument that we could win this division. Not yet. Like absolutely. in the South, not, excuse me, excuse me, not the South. That, that, that's not the Jaguars. The that's to, the only, that's yeah, the Jaguars that's to lose. The only one. Like to hell with Tennessee. The, no, the Jaguars got that one. But in the North. For everybody else. The East. And for me in the West, you know, if the Broncos can figure something out, and the Broncos to me are my most intriguing team, right? Because they gave up multiple first round picks and a good mm-hmm. tight end to get Russell Wilson. And we still question if they have a quarterback that can get them somewhere mm-hmm. because la- they had a championship level defense last year. I'm going to throw a stat out at you, Ken. If the Denver Broncos offense if they were able to score 17 points a game in their first 12 ball games, you know what their record would have been? What? 10 and 2. Instead, they were 3 and 9 because they were just that putrid offensively. And I think part of that might have been because of damn Nathaniel Hackett. Because mm-hmm. he is somebody, he made me think I could be an NFL head coach. Okay. You ever seen somebody that's so good or so bad at something you think you regular person who does not have this ability to do such a thing could do it. Absolutely. That that's what Nathaniel Hackett. I'm like, 
I can coach an NFL team if they let this fool do it. But they've got Sean Payton in there now. And if Russell Wilson has something, we're going to find out. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, they're just, they're in a world of trouble because they, the, look, the Walton family, they got all that Walmart money, but they ain't going to want to, they ain't going to want to have to eat all of that to have to go up in the draft and try to get another dude. Right. Because like I said, they got championship level defense, championship level. Yeah. I mean, they were up there. Um, it's one of my most intriguing teams for all those reasons that you just named. Jacksonville was up there. You know, I'm interested to see how they rebound, you know, after making a, you know, a playoff run, losing to Kansas City. Like, Trevor Lawrence gets Calvin Ridley now, and a lot of people are, like, really high on Calvin Ridley. Like, like y'all just don't know how good this guy runs routes and how good of a receiver he really is and how he will help Trevor Lawrence. So I'm interested to see how they look, especially in a, in a division, like we said, that is basically theirs. So could they, could they have some home field advantage because, you know, they dominate their division and won a couple of games that maybe they shouldn't have won or played against better teams. So I'll be interested to see how Jacksonville, Jacksonville looks too. In the NFC, who is your most intriguing team? Most intriguing team in the NFC would probably be, I'm going to say the Seahawks. Okay. How did the Seahawks, how did the Seahawks rebound from last year? Because again, not to the level of the Eagles, right? But you're at a level now where you're hunted more. Cause like the Geno Smith thing was just like a revelation last year. Like, wow, this dude is, is good at football. Like he can play football. Like, <laughs> he said he's like, good at football. Like, I mean, not like, like Geno Smith was a bum. Cause obviously what he did at West Virginia was amazing back then. Right. But like, like we kind of forgot about Geno Smith. So it's kind of like, Oh, well, this is just a bridge between. Russell Wilson and who's going to be the future quarterback? Are they going to, you know, tank the next two years for Caleb Williams or whatever? And then Geno's like, wait, hold on. I'm about to give me some money real quick. That's fair. And I can do this. And I'm with a Hall of Fame coach too. Okay. So what can Seattle, what can Seattle do in a, in a conference this year that is really just seems to be like a three team race? Can they be that fourth team? You know, that. Is going to, going to make some noise in the NFC. And so that, that's probably the team I would say that I'm most intrigued about. Oh, Detroit too. Yes. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued about Detroit, but I already have them as like locks to make the playoff. See, it, it is weird to talk about the Detroit Lions as a lock to I make the playoffs them. between them and the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know how many times in our lifetime we say, yeah, they're a lock to make the playoffs. Right. Like we have expectations of them that do not involve being horrific. Like, that's the shock for those two teams, right? But I ain't going to lie, man. The fighting Dan Campbells, man, they got some hustle to them. They got some heart man. to them, dog. Like, we, we talked about it in January. They got like a Memphis Grizzlies type of feel to them. Like, these dudes, they they some grinders, dog. Yeah, and they, what, they open up with the Chiefs on yep. Thursday night? Uh-huh. Open up with the Chiefs on Thursday night. Like, I'm very, I, I'm excited for that game. I'm excited for that game. See how they come out week one. Like, you know, they probably got like a swagger. Like, okay, like it's time to show. It's time to show them who we really are. So I'm like, okay, like all right, Detroit, bro. You know what the funny thing is? Most of us only watch one Detroit Lions game per year, and that's that. Yes, that Thanksgiving game. And most times we're like this. Yo, can they please? 
take them off of this Thanksgiving game. I don't know how that really even got started, but we didn't had to suffer through one in 15, two in 14 Lions teams playing on Thanksgiving day. And it's like, this is cruel and unusual punishment at this point, but now we actually have a reason to watch the Detroit Lions voluntarily. I never thought I'd say this when that fool took that job and was talking about biting fools, folks kneecaps off. Like, oh, talking man. like a talking like a feral like you know like he's gonna have a team full of feral animals, but here we right. are. Shout out to Dan Campbell. They don't bought into it. They didn't, they didn't bought into it, man. I'm, yeah, I that is probably my most achieving team. So for me, I'm gonna go with the San Francisco 49ers, mm-hmm. and they're intriguing for a number of reasons. Most of all, for me, is the quarterback and the head coach because. They're going to go with Brock Purdy as the starter and Sam Darnold as the backup. So they are completely out on Trey Lance. And I don't know if I've ever seen a team trade three first round picks to take a quarterback. And then after that quarterback has only made three starts because because he broke his ankle last year in week two. That first game he started last year in week one was in a monsoon in Chicago. And, and then I think he right. made one start his rookie year. After only three starts, they're out entirely on Trey Lance, and they're going to trust the guy who they didn't think was good enough to draft until the last pick of the NFL draft. That's the guy that's going to be the answer. To me, this just is indicative that the San Francisco 49ers do not do a good job of evaluating and developing quarterbacks. Like, that is plainly obvious to me because Shanahan has done this before in 2017 they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo and he made like five or six starts at the end of the year after getting traded there and then they gave him goo gobs of money and then three years later they're like no we need to trade up for three first round picks because this guy who we just paid a gargantuan amount of money isn't good enough what are the chances in two or three years we're back here saying the exact same thing about Brock Purdy what are the chances? Like, Pretty high. Like, it, it is, like, I would have given Trey Lance every chance to win this job just simply because of sunk costs. You know what I'm saying? Because. And he only played one year of football, college football. Yeah, like, now, if we're going to go back to the to, to, to them actually taking Trey Lance, me personally, I would have taken Justin Fields. I thought Justin Fields had the experience at Ohio State, was just as mobile, if not more so. Then Trey Lance, I thought Justin Fields was the guy. So inexplicably, I don't know why the Jets and the Niners talked themselves into damn Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. Like, let's just start there, right? Like, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. And there was a report that came out today that said Kyle Shanahan preferred Trey Lance over Mac Jones because he wanted a guy that could raise the ceiling on the offense. What about Brock Purdy can raise the ceiling of this offense and give it a new di- dimension in terms of quarterback mobility? Right. Like this is going to end up looking the exact same way it looked under Jimmy Garoppolo. And I, I, I wonder this, right? Ken, you know, the rapper Nas. Um, I don't know how big, how big of a Nas fan are you? I mean, I know that he's one of the, the great rappers of all time. Um, I don't have too many Nas songs in my phone, I would say. Okay, I understand it. I understand it. So one of the big criticisms of Nas that 
most hip hop fans have, and I have too, is that Nas raps over terrible beats. Mm-hmm. Like the he he cannot pick a good beat. Like you know how Rick Ross is great at picking a beat. Nas is as bad at picking a beat as Rick Ross is great. Mm-hmm. And one time they asked Nas, I said, "Why why did you always pick these terrible beats?" He was like, "You know, I know I can rap over a good beat. You know, it's a challenge to see how well I can rap over a bad one to see if I can make a bad beat work." Mm-hmm. That's what I think Kyle Shanahan is doing. Kyle Shanahan is trying to see how well he can, you know, coach and coordinate with the court, like kind of with his hand tied behind his back. Like, that's what I'm starting to think this is, because if I have a quarterback that's really mobile and I put him with Juszczyk and Kittle and McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Ayuk and all of those monsters they have on defense, yeah, we'll probably win 15 games. This would be way too easy. Like, that's the only other explanation I could come up with, because this is like completely inexplicable completely and it has to work like it has this like they have backed themselves into a corner like he has tied this to brock purdy and what happens this year brock purdy if that elbow isn't healed up what happens if he stinks are they gonna go to sam darnold who is one bad game away from being a journeyman yeah and think about think about this i mean you just named justin field think about the player the 10 players that were drafted after trey lance kyle pitts Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Panay Sewell, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, Devontae Smith, Justin Fields, Micah Parsons, and Roshan Slater. You potentially might have set your, your team back a couple years and maybe cost the Super Bowl or two if this doesn't work. I just don't understand, like, again, you traded up three, you traded three picks to move up to the third spot to take a guy who only played one year of college football. Fine. But then he barely gets the opportunity to play in the NFL due to injury. And now he's lost the job. Like, what do you think? He didn't have like a chance, essentially. It's kind of like, like the Warriors kind of did with James Wiseman. This kid, you kind of setting this kid up for failure. And so it's like, un- unless he gets another opportunity somewhere else and gets with somebody that can take their time with him and develop him and let him make mistakes, of course he's going to be labeled as a bust. Of course, he's not going to have lived up to the expectation. But again, I would think to your point, this would be the, this would be the, the, the hand behind your back. Let me take this kid from North Dakota State to only play one year. He got all the tools, but let me put him together and make him a monster. Like that, that would be the challenge to me because that's what we paid for. Yeah. We didn't pay for the, for the, for the undrafted or the, the last pick of the draft. Like that was just out of necessity last year, but this shouldn't it shouldn't be a problem. You know what? You know you know what? Trey Lance needs to call Benjamin Crump a Al Sharpton. Okay, because <laughs> he has a legitimate claim here. And Bomadi Jones said this one time, and it never made sense to me until right now. If the backup quarterback had been black, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If Tyrod Taylor was the backup and led them to, you know, to the NFC title game, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this, right? <laughs> but you know what the problem is? All the black quarterbacks are taken between two places, Baltimore and Cleveland. Okay. Yep. <laughs> look, yep. those two, those two teams, like you see, look, they have the Warren Moon black quarterback endowed scholarship fund over there at yep. them two jobs. Cleveland just traded a backup quarterback, a black man, because another backup quarterback, a black man, was playing too good. 
Wait, who, who who's Cleveland's backup now? They traded Joshua Dobbs. They traded Joshua Dobbs to Arizona because um, old boy from uh, DTR from uh, UCLA, Thompson Robinson. Yeah, so yeah, he's been playing so good. So he's the new backup. Look, I would. I think the NAACP is giving Baltimore and the Cleveland Browns a stipend. Like, just hire all the brothers you can. Just do that. We're on the topic of young quarterbacks. Of the three rookie quarterbacks this year, of these three quarterbacks, Bryce Young, the number one pick, C.J. Stroud, the number two pick, or Anthony Richardson, which of those three do you think is going to play the best this year? I'm really excited to see Anthony Richardson play. I really am excited to see what he brings to the table. I think I think Bryce Young has a chance to make the playoffs. Hmm. I think he does. Like, look at their division. That's fair. That's fair. Like, who came out of the division last year? Well, oh, Tampa. Yeah, Tampa. Well, they it, were barely 500. Mm-hmm. They were under so 500. Gonna, they were under 500. So you're going to get Baker Mayfield, uh, Desmond Ritter, and, uh, and, no, Derek Carr. Yep. You got a chance to make the playoffs, bro. I think it's going to be Bryce Young. I think it's going to be Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson. I can't. True. I think from a team perspective, it will be Bryce Young. But from an individual standpoint, I think it's going to be Anthony Richardson. I'm going to disagree with you there, man. I'm going to go C.J. Stroud. I think of those three quarterbacks, he was the most polished. Mm -hmm. Right? And for me, young quarterbacks need two things to succeed. Great talent around them. Yep. And that looks like typically a very good defense that can, you know, control field position, you know, get you a short field and a strong running game. Right? Like, I always think about, because I've been thinking about this recently. How on earth did the New York Jets make the AFC title game and beat Tom Brady in Mark Sanchez's rookie year? Then I realized it, were, it really didn't have much to do with Mark Sanchez. They had a great defense and a strong running mm-hmm. game, right? Mm-hmm. The Houston Texans have a good running game, Damian Pierce. Devin Singletary kept coming over from Buffalo. They've got the Houston Texans, I think are making serious efforts to be a competitive football team this year. I agree. Now that they didn't got Jack East to be up out of there, you know, they got Robert Woods, got got Dalton Schultz from your Dallas Cowboys, brought in Jimmy mm-hmm. Ward. You mm-hmm. know, like they've got some – it sounds bad, but they have more NFL-quality players on the roster. And given that, that that division is pretty doggone weak. And yep. I think the offensive coordinator – is a Shanahan disciple. And one thing them Shanahan disciples know how to do is scheme up some plays. They know how to do that. So I think C.J. Stroud is going to play really, really well this year. Anthony Richardson, I'm really confused about because he needs training wheels the most, in my opinion, because in college, it wasn't his production on the field that made him a top five pick. It was his potential. Mm -hmm. That dude didn't complete 55% of his passes Last year at Florida, he need of any if anyone needs a strong defense and a good, oh, yeah. great running game, it's him. And they are in a dispute with the best running back in football. The best running back in football, Jonathan Taylor, wants to get up out of Indianapolis. And if I'm like, are y'all really serious about helping out Anthony Richardson in year one? Because if you are, you'd give Jonathan Taylor a bag. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. No, I mean, that's a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. The Texans have made a lot of, uh, moves and a lot of good strides to be competitive. You know, I'm just, I, I think that when we talk about like the trade lane situation, I think they're trying to do the opposite of it with Anthony Richardson, like kid that needs some polishing. He needs to play. They just going to throw him in the fire. Like, we gonna we gonna work we gonna work on this guy. We gonna work on this guy and he's gonna he's gonna make some mistakes. He's young. He still needs to learn, but he's gonna be out there. And so they uh Frank Wright. Frank Wright is is the coach. Oh no, uh the, they got a new head coach, Shane Steichen. He was Shane Steichen. Shane, he was at uh He was with Philly, he was the OC for Philadelphia, Philadelphia last he was year. OC for Philadelphia. OC for Philadelphia, that's right, that's right. And, um and I was gonna say with him. He probably has the perfect offensive coordinator because my thing with Anthony, Anthony Richardson is this. If somebody was able to make this work with Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts does not have the physical talent. Right. In terms of arm talent, in terms of speed, in terms of just he is not the physical specimen that Anthony Richardson is. If right. somebody can make this work with Jalen Hurts, they can damn sure make this work with Anthony Richardson. Respectfully. Respectfully, if he gets to where he should go, his floor would be Jalen Hurts, and his peak would be twenty sixteen Cam Newton. Yes, every year. Like, um, so I'm very interested to see see how that how that turns out. Okay, so we're gonna move to our last category before we get on up out of here. So, who is the coach under the most pressure, Kennedy Miller? And I have a feeling where I think you're gonna go, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, without question, this is a team that should be one of the final four teams standing in the NFL in January, uh, in late January. Like, they've got the pieces. They've got the pieces. Like, you can say that Prescott ain't that guy. I've seen teams do it with less at that position. That is fair. I've Joe seen, Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer have Super Bowl yeah, championships. Yeah. I've, I've, seen, I've seen teams do it with less, so I don't want to hear that. You got a you got a good running back. Like I ain't saying he's elite. He's coming off an injury, so he's a good running back. Your offensive line isn't as dominant as they used to be. There's still a good offensive line. You still have two Hall of Famers on your offensive line. You have probably a, a top two player on the defensive end. On the defensive side of the football and Michael Parsons, like he, he is that good. Michael Parsons is elite. You got a D line, like the Cowboys defense is going to be really good. It's really fast. A lot of those dudes, linebackers, defensive lines. I think their front seven averages like a four seven speed across the board. Um, you got, so you got two pro bowlers on your defensive line. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Michael Parsons. Your linebackers are going to be quick. Your secondary, you got Stephon Gilmore next to Trayvon Diggs. So, like, they really – and they upgraded their receivers. They got Brandon Cooks. Noah Brown is gone. Um, So, I think they've all pretty much had upgrades. They didn't have really any, like, notable losses off their team. It's just a matter of can they stay healthy? Can they put it all together? And is Mike McCarthy the right guy for the job? To me, the big question with Dallas is – and we've talked about this for years with the Dallas Cowboys. It's not a question of talent. It's really a question of coaching because when the Dallas Cowboys have played teams where they have the decided talent advantage, they're going to win nine out of 10 times. The issue comes in when 
the talent is equal and the other team has a better coach. That's what wins them games. That's what got them against San Francisco these last couple of years. That was the issue during the Jason Garrett era, you know. And mm-hmm. for me, with Mike McCarthy, you're never going to take – I'm never going to unsee that QB draw with 15 seconds left. Like, I'm completely out on him. After that, I said, no, nah, man, this, this dude can't do it. Because once I see, like, that level of incompetence, it is impossible for somebody like me to trust you again. Right? Mm-hmm. But I think talent-wise, yeah, they should. They should. Right? But will they? That's, that, that is, like, ultimately the biggest question. And they let him fire Kellen Moore. Right. You only get to really clean house house on the offensive staff or, you know, clean house on your staff one time, because the next time is you who's going to be cleaning your lockout and calling it. Oh, yeah. And now he's calling the plays. Yeah. Like now he's playing. So it's all on you now. And the thing about Mike McCarthy calling the plays was the number one. His downfall in Green Bay was the offense got stale. Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers was getting the play in the huddles like, no, we ain't running that. You know, right. If his offense, like, how has that offense changed since the last time he called plays? Like, that is going to be my biggest thing. Like, what new can he add that can help this team get over the hump? But my, for me, my coach under the most pressure, it'll be Robert Sala with the Jets. I was going to say, I was going to say him too. I thought about him too. Because they think they, they finally have a quarterback now. He's old. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's funny as hell. New York City, they replaced Kyrie Irving with Aaron Rodgers. Ain't that something? Man, what? <laughs> that is wild. Yeah, yes. they got, you know, they got throw Rogan up in there. And that's all they really, in my head, needed because they're running back their load. Brees Hall was mm-hmm. balling before he got hurt. They're bringing in Dalvin Cook and ran for 1,200 yards last year for Minnesota. Yep. I think Garrett Wilson's a stud. Yep. You know, they got a couple of problems on the offensive line, made mainly left tackle with that ogre Makai Becton. <laughs> but on but defensively, they got the guys. Solomon Thomas, Quentin mm-hmm. Williams, got a good set of linebackers, got that boy Sauce out there at corner. They got the guys. Like this is like very similar to well, it's the exact same thing as Brady going to Tampa. You're walking into a loaded roster, and that guy has to walk into a loaded roster because he's not as great as he used to be. So he has to rely on the supporting cast that much more. But given that they're in a very tough division, there it is. Like he walks in with loaded roster against a loaded division. So they like their first handful of ball games. It looks like this: Buffalo at home. They travel to Dallas at home against New England. At home against Kansas City. At Denver. Wow. At home against Philly. That's their first six ball games. Like how many, how many wins do they have in those first six? You would be proud if you came out three and three. Depending on how Denver looks, that may be two right. and four. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like that's tough. And I think a lot of people are like automatically assuming that it's going to be like that, but no. Like, this ain't Green Bay. You're not playing Chicago and Detroit four times. Like, this is going to be a gauntlet for them. And, like, remember when uh Brady went to Tampa? That first year, like, it took them a while to get it going. It sure did. So, like, if that happens, 
is there like is there a level of patience? And Aaron Rodgers has been in Green Bay all these years. Like you can say all that, relax, whatever, whatever, whatever. In New York, man, it, it's different. Absolutely, they, they ain't trying to hit that. Absolutely. So like that like, that that is probably Robert Sala. Like they start two and four. You know, is that seat scorching? You know, or do they have some measure Absolutely. of patience? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, I thought about him, and I was definitely going to say that him if we did NFC and AFC. Honorable mention, Brandon Staley for the Chargers, because we ain't forgot about, what was that, a 17-point lead? 17, 20-point lead? It was like 24. Yeah, we ain't forgot about that. So, Justin Herbert gets all this love, like, he can throw the ball. You know, he's, he's a really good quarterback. They got <laughs> he nice throw, he's they got throw the ball. Arm. Yeah, he, he got a beautiful arm. I mean, you know, he really puts the spin on the ball. When they going to get it done, though? When they going to get it done, though? I think a big thing with them is health, too. You know, yeah. Eckler. Because, like, again, on paper, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Gerald mm-hmm. Everett, like, Derwin James, if he can finally stay healthy, like, right. Khalil, yes. like Khalil Mack, he's still a good player. J.C. Jackson, they're like they've got good players. Asante Samuel Jr. in his oh my, we're old, Ken. We're talking about Asante Samuel Jr. Um, uh, there's a Jeremiah Trotter Jr. plays for Clemson. Dude, I I just saw on Twitter, Melo son cooking him in the gym, and I'm like. We really are getting old, bro. Like, we're starting to watch people that we watch, they're kids. Bro, yes. And you you, you know the one that really made me realize this first? I don't know if you're still keeping up with WWE, uh, Dominic Mysterio. I saw that name on Twitter, and I was like, who is this? Yes, yes, that is the one. Remember, Eddie Guerrero, I'm your poppy, Dominic. That's him. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, we didn't know. We are old. We didn't know. <sighs> yeah. But that is another episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Kennedy Miller, my dog, thank you for kicking it with me once again. Where can they find you on the artist, formerly known as Twitter, your Instagram, all of that? You can find me on that app at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. And that's underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, it's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That is T as in the Houston Texans, S as in Sala, like Robert Sala or Kyle Shanahan, M as in Miami, like the Miami Dolphins, coached by Mike McDaniel. That's a lot of M's right there. Follow the show on Instagram at underscore the game plan podcast. Again, follow the show on Instagram at underscore the game plan podcast. Follow our official YouTube channel where you are watching this very video. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to tell 10 friends, to tell 10 more friends, to tell 10 more friends about the game plan podcast. That's a lot of people y'all folks need to tell. So wherever you're listening and watching and however you're listening and watching, we Thank you guys for listening and for watching. For Kennedy Miller, my name is Alex Goodwin. This has been the Game Plan Podcast. We will see you guys next time.